following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. And so this movie is not an action movie, but it's just a riveting movie about uh, the, the whole subject of life and is life fair? And is there any hope for freedom? Is there any hope for redemption in life? Bill Gates is famous for saying that life isn't fair. Get used to it. And so this movie really narrows in on this core feeling that all of humanity shares about life, and, and uh, it reminds me a lot of, of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen that, it's a great Jimmy Stewart film, a Christmas movie, but uh, the good guys went in the end, everything goes horrible, and then at the very end, it all comes together, and it turns out awesome and great, and that's uh, the same in this movie. The setting of the movie is a Shawshank prison, prison in Maine in the 40s, and... Um, it stars Andy Dufresne, who's this, uh, he's a successful banker, and his wife is having an affair. A criminal breaks into their house while he's not there, kills his wife and her lover, and then he gets blamed for the crime. And so he go, goes to prison, or goes to trial, gets convicted, goes to prison, and he's an innocent guy. And so the whole movie is really wrapped around him and his relationship with another inmate, named Red, who is played by Morgan Freeman, happens to be one of my favorite actors as well. And so um, the, the interesting thing about this film is it's so full of religious overtones and symbolism. And if, you, if you've seen the movie, then you know what I'm talking about. All throughout the movie, you have these different themes about life and how they pertain to Christianity and heaven and God and forgiveness and sin and all these different issues were, are being wrestled with in this film. And uh, so it's interesting to me that the stereotype that's used uh, is the classic stereotype you see all the time, everywhere. And I swear, Hollywood, have, I've seen hundreds of movies, and Hollywood still has no clue what Christianity is about. Uh, they yet to do one film that uh, really portrays our faith accurately according to the Bible. And this movie is no different, same stereotype. Yeah, Joy and I were driving the other day and uh, going, going somewhere in Puyallup, and uh, this car, we stopped at the light, this car pulled up next to us, and this lady is just screaming profanities at the car on the other side of us. So we far, initially thought she was uh, talking to us, but, you know, she's, she's showing the bird, and she's screaming and yelling. I'm like, geez, oh, this lady is out of control, and and uh, so we just kind of sat through that. The light goes green. We pull forward. And as her car, the one on the left, uh, is pulling forward, on the back of their van is the fish symbol. And Joy and I looked and just laughed at that. Oh, man, it figures. The one, uh, the one loser would be a Christian. But that's the same way that it's portrayed in the film. Um, that uh, the, the bad guy in the film is the warden, Warden Norton, and he is the one guy who is the uh, committed Christian. He talks about going to church and Bible study and all of that. All the prisoners that come in, he gives them a Bible, and, and he's the evil guy, the bad guy in the movie. So this clip is Andy meeting the warden. Here you go. 
Heads up. Toss and sell. 119. 
is angry, he's self-righteous, he's judgmental, he's cruel, he's full of greed, he's a liar, a manipulator, controls people, and a murderer. The writer of the film wanted to portray Christianity in this way, obviously because there's an issue there. And, and the problem is when you paint all of Christianity with this broad brush that that's how it is, maybe based on your experience or your life, then you, you run the problem of, of creating a stereotype that just isn't true. I mean, are all politicians liars? Okay, so that one doesn't work. But how about, are all Steelers fans criminals? That one doesn't work either. Um, But you know, you get my point. I mean, just because you have a bad experience or you encounter a certain person, that representation is terrible. It doesn't mean they're all that way. I wish you had the opportunity to meet some of the Christians that I know and some of the people that go to our church. And I can think of tons of different couples and, and singles and people that are really amazing people who are an excellent representation of our faith and who Jesus is. But you, if you're a part of the church for any period of time, you know, it, maybe if you're new, you haven't encountered this yet, but just wait. I mean, it's coming. But if you've been a part of the church for a while, then you know that you will encounter people that are a terrible representation of God and of Jesus Christ. They are uh, of the, the, the awful comparison representation of what is perfect, which is Jesus. And so uh, wounds happened in church, hurts happened in church. And some people can make the terrible mistake of, of rejecting God because they encountered something painful in a church, something bad. And it's like uh, John Lennon was famous for saying that Jesus is really cool, but I can just do without his followers. And I, I, I can relate to that. I know how that feels to to encounter that type of thing at church. And there's something about church that we have an expectation that none of that should ever happen. But that's really an unrealistic expectation, and it's not one that God ever intended for it to be. The church is not a place full of perfect, wonderful people. This is not heaven on earth. Now, the church should be a safe place, but that's up to the leadership. The leadership has to create that by how they run things and the environment. And we work hard to make it a safe place. But, you know, just like uh, hospitals are built, designed to make people well, and they're full of sick people. In fact, hospitals have a ton of dying people there. Sick, dying, they die there. This past week, uh, I was in the emergency room with one of my sons, and, and the guy came in and said, you know, um, oh, we heard this announcement, oh, you know, cold blue, cold blue. And uh, I asked the guy what that means. He says, well, that means somebody just, just died. And I looked at my son and said, well, that just added about two hours to our wait here. <laughs> but hospitals are full of sick people, And yet they're designed to make people well. Schools are full of ignorant people and people who don't know and who need to learn. And yet schools are meant to teach and train. So so churches are no different. It's just life. So, So keep an open mind, keep an open heart, and recognize these situations for what they are. Your 
dealing with people. Now, if you encounter a really horrible, terrible, terrible situation that goes from the leadership all the way down, well, then that's different. Maybe that's something that you need to get away from and, and, and leave that environment. But if that's not the case, then allow, if you're a follower of Christ, allow God to work in that situation and bring about His will and His purposes in your life. We learn how to love when we encounter people that are a little bit difficult to love. Isn't that true? So flawed people trying to represent a perfect God. That's what's going on. In this next clip, um, we see Andy has another encounter with the warden, and uh, it produces a, a, a very deep, heartfelt response from his heart. Here it is. was singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our trapped little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. It pissed the warden off something awful. Open the door. Open it up! The frame, open this door! I am warning you, Dufresne, turn that off! in the hole for that little stunt. On your feet. Hey, look who's here. Maestro. Hey. You, you couldn't play something good, huh? Hank Williams or something? They broke the door down before I could take requests. Was it worth it? <laughs> Two weeks in the hall? Easiest time I ever did. Oh, there's no such thing as easy time in the hall. That's right. A week in the hall is like a year. I'm Mr. Mozart to keep me company. <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there, huh? in here in here that's the beauty of music they can't get that from you 
Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I played a mean harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's a... There's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch. It's yours. Talking about hope. Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Like Brooks did. clip doesn't show you who Brooks is. You have to watch the movie to find out who he is and what happens to him. But in this, we see this uh, question about hope. And specifically, where does hope belong? And where do you find hope? Red is the quintessential uh, realist. And so for him, in an environment like Shawshank, which is a living hell where you're dealing with unfair people and evil guards and an evil warden, uh, you're basically stuck in this misery and hope has no place there. It doesn't belong. If you have hope in anything, it'll, it'll make you crazy. Andy, on the other hand, is an opposite of that, a contrast to that. He is, he's the dreamer. And he believes that Shawshank is the perfect environment to have hope. That place of hopelessness, what better place for hope than an environment of hopelessness? And he talks about it like it's coming from inside, that it comes from inside of his heart, inside of his life, coming out of him, that he has hope. Now, what you have hope in matters a great deal because just hope for hope's sake is nothing it's what you're hoping in and where your hope is placed that makes all the difference in the world i mean i can hope that i could play for the seahawks next year but really that's just a vain imagination i wouldn't last two seconds on that field uh the first hit and i'd be dead and so it matters what your hope is in And if hope comes from us, if it comes from within inside of us, if it's uh, a part of us, it's it's who we are and, and we create our own hope, then what do you do when you've come to the end of your rope? What do you do when you're at a dead end and you're you're so depressed and you're so discouraged you want to give up and you can't find any hope? There's nothing inside of you that gives you hope. And the people that are usually come up and tell us, well, you just need to have faith or you need to have hope are standing on that side of life is good. You know, when everything is great for them and they're living large and everything's good, well, then they can have that confidence. But when you're over here and you're in misery and your life is a living hell, that doesn't work. So the answer from the biblical point of view, from the Bible, is the only hope that will sustain you for any kind of storm in life is hope in Jesus Christ. It's hope in Jesus. 
But Jesus gives us a hope. Even in the midst of an impossible situation, there's hope. Jesus said to his disciples, he was talking to this rich guy and, and about him coming into faith. And he said to the disciples, he said, you know, uh, it's what's, what's impossible to you is possible with God. But even in an impossible situation, there's hope. Oftentimes I'll meet with people and I'll talk with them and they'll share with me all their struggles and trials and all the difficult things they're going through and, and they'll be in such despair and discouragement. And I'll often ask them this question, where is God in all of that? And if their answer is, I don't know, or I can't tell, or I don't see God, or I don't know God, then they are hopeless. Because once you can see that, that God is there in your midst, that He is present, that He will help you in your time of need, then you have hope. As long as you have that, you have hope. The disciples experienced this firsthand. They were with Jesus, and they were on this this uh, lake, and they call it Sea of Galilee, and, and there's a boat, and there's a huge storm that comes up. And you got to remember, these guys are expert fishermen. They've been on that body of water many, many, many times before. They've been in storms before. They knew what to do. But they were freaking out and they were screaming they were all going to die. And Jesus was on the boat and he was asleep. And so they said, go wake him up because we're going to die. And so Jesus comes up. He speaks to the storm. It all calms down. And he looks at the disciples and he says, you guys have no faith. You have no faith at all. Because if they knew who was in the boat with them, and they had faith that he was God and he could do the impossible, they would not have fear. They would have hope that they were going to get to safely to the shore. And so when you know that God is in the midst of your storm with you, you will always have hope. This last clip is about Andy talking about the storm of his life. used to say I'm a hard man to know, like a closed book, complained about it all the time. She was beautiful. God, I loved her. I just didn't know how to show it, that's all. I killed her, Red. I didn't pull the trigger. I drove her away. And that's why she died, because of me. The way I am. That don't make you a murderer. Bad husband, maybe. feel bad about it if you want to, but you didn't pull the trigger. No, I didn't. Somebody else did. And I wound up in here. Bad luck, I guess. 
boats around. Got to land on somebody. It was my turn, that's all. I was in the path of the tornado. I just didn't expect that the storm would last as long as it has. You think you'll ever get out of here? Me? Yeah. One day, when I got a long white beard and two or three marbles rolling around upstairs, they let me out. I'll tell you where I'd go. To Watton Hill. To what? To Watton Hill. It's in Mexico. A little place on the Pacific Ocean. You know what the Mexicans say about the Pacific? See, it has no memory. That's where I want to live the rest of my life. A warm place with no memory. Open up a little hotel. Right on the beach. Buy some worthless old boat and fix it up new. Take my guests out. Charter fishing. Say what the nail. In a place like that, I could use a man that knows how to get things. I don't think I could make it on the outside, Andy. I've been in here most of my life. I'm an institutional man now. It's like Brooks was. Well, you underestimate yourself. I don't think so. In here, I'm the guy who can get things for you, sure, but outside, all you need is the yellow pages. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Pacific Ocean? Scare me to death, something that big. Not me. I didn't shoot my wife and I didn't shoot her lover. Whatever mistakes I made, I paid for them and then some. That hotel, that boat, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. I mean, Mexico is waiting down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. It's down there, and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. You get busy dying. I think anybody could identify with that uh, strong emotion being expressed there about life and his dream about being in a place like heaven. Heaven, a warm place, as he said, with no memory. A place where there is no sorrow and no tears and 
everything is wonderful and you are accepted for who you are the way you are. And he made a comparison about how uh, the path to that is by doing good enough things to outweigh the bad. He said, I've paid for all of my sins and then some. And that's a very common belief that is uh, put forth by our culture that uh, the way you overcome the bad in your life is by doing good things. And if you do so many bad things, you've got to do all these good things to counteract that balance so that you can make it to heaven. And the problem with that system, if you really think about it and you analyze it, it is fictional and it's arbitrary. Because how many good things does it take to overcome one bad thing and who decides? Is it 10 10 good, overcome one bad, or is it 50, or is it 100? And so you can see that nobody really knows what it is. And if I lie about you, does that mean that you can lie about me? Or do I have to tell the truth 20 times to overcome that lie that I told? And, and, and there's even situations in life where you, there's no possibility that it can ever be uh, paid for or paid back. There's nothing that anyone can do to make that situation right again. And so that just plain falls apart and it doesn't work. You cannot do enough good in some situations to overcome the bad. Jesus, the Bible talks about Jesus as our Redeemer. A Redeemer is someone who pays the penalty. Thus, Shawshank redemption is being redeemed. And Jesus paid the penalty for us, the penalty that we earned by our bad deeds. He satisfied the judgment of God. He satisfied the justice of God by being a perfect, innocent person, giving his life so that our slate could be washed clean, so that we could stand before God free and clear of any accusation at all, whatsoever, none, because of the work that Jesus did. It's interesting to me that the only person in the film who's actually innocent is Andy, and he's the one who has a guilty conscience. You know, even even when we think we're good, we still know and we still can see areas where we know we don't measure up. And here in this, he he was full of guilt and feeling like it was his fault that his wife was killed. He says a statement there at the very end that is incredibly depressing. I mean, it's, it's an interesting statement as you hear it, but then as you think about it, it's really depressing. He says, get busy living or get busy dying. And it's a reference to Brooks, but on the one side, it's a positive message. You know, if you're going to live your life, then live it. But on the other side, it's incredibly depressing and there's another way. There's a whole other outlook. And it, it's, the, it's a perspective from within Christianity that says that, that um, Christ died for you so that you can live. He did the dying so you can do the living. 
He lived a life of sorrow. He lived a life of suffering so that you could live a great life, that you could be free to live your life for Him and for His glory. The truth is, every one of us can leave here today guilt-free, no shame, no condemnation because of the work that Christ has done for us on the cross. And all it takes is a simple step of faith. To say, I put my life into the hands of Jesus Christ, you are God. Maybe you don't fully know Him or understand, but you want to be free. You want a new start. You want to do over. You want a clean slate. You can have it today. And every Sunday we're always talking about two different groups of people and talking to two different Groups, Christians and non-Christians, every Sunday. And if you're a Christian here today, this film reminds you that, you know, your only hope for freedom in this life is through Christ, your Savior. And that there's no condemnation before God, that no matter how you've been, you feel like you don't measure up as a Christian, God loves you, He accepts you, and He wants to work with you from this point forward. If you're not a Christian today, then you get the same thing, that offer to choose a new relationship with Jesus. And if you pray that, that prayer, just a prayer of faith, saying, God, I want to follow you with my life. He hears that prayer. He answers that prayer. And you can start a new relationship today.